0: Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a Ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Genesis 32. Jacob says, I am unworthy, verse 10 of all the loving kindness and all of all the faithfulness which thou hast shown to thy servant. Jacob is basically saying, Lord, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy for all that you've done for me. John the Baptist said to Jesus, I'm not worthy to untie the thong of your sandals. The centurion said, Lord, I'm not even worthy for you to come under my household. Do You remember the, was the, the publican praying in Luke 18? Says, be merciful to me, a sinner, as he beats his chest. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. You know, David, I think, said something similar. I'm unworthy of all the blessings that you've given to me, Lord. I want to build you a house. And God said, David, I'm going to build you a house. And then Jacob says, deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me, the mothers with the children. I'm afraid for me. I'm afraid for my family. For thou did say, I will surely prosper you. And that's a good way to pray. Remind God of promises he's made to you in the Bible, right? God, you said this, and I'm going to stand on it. And you said, I will prosper you. You said, I will make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Jacob's basically saying, if Esau destroys us now, if he wipes out my family, God, how will these promises that you've made come true? You told me I'm gonna have all these descendants. You told me that we're gonna bless all the families of the earth. How will this happen unless you are faithful? I think Jacob could be summed up in this way. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief, Mark 9, 24. I believe your promises, and I'm gonna stand on them right now, but with 400 men coming from what I, last I knew is a very spiteful brother, I am fearful, Lord. I don't know what's gonna happen. And remember, just What just happened to Jacob is he saw this whole company of angels. You might be thinking, wasn't that enough? I've never seen an angel before, let alone a whole company of them. Why doesn't Jacob have confidence? Have you ever gone from a real spiritual high like in a church service or maybe you just witnessed to somebody or you broke through a threshold in your Christian life and you're thinking, man, I'm doing great. And then the next moment, and you're like, man, I just saw a company of angels 20 minutes ago. What happened to me? It doesn't take much sometimes for us to fall on our face. And so Jacob spent the night there, verse 13, and he selected from what he had with, a, with him a present for his brother Esau. Now look at this list. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams, 30 milking camels and their colts, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, 10 male donkeys, and a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> I'm sorry I added that. Archer's part. And he delivered them into the hand of his servants. Every drove by itself and said to his servants, pass on before me and put a space between the droves or the herds in NIV. And he commanded the one in front saying, when my brother Esau meets you and asks you saying, to whom do you belong and where are you going and to whom do these animals in front of you belong? By the way, in my count, well over 500 animals he's offering. Jacob is a wealthy, a seriously wealthy man at this point. He's got a number of possessions that God has blessed him with. And he says, look, if my brother asks you, here's what you're to tell him. You shall say, 18, these belong to your servant Jacob. He's your servant. Uh, Take note of that. It is a present sent to my lord Esau. And behold, he also is behind us. Then he commanded also the second and the third, and all those who followed the drove, saying, after this manner, you shall speak to Esau when you find him, and you shall say, behold, your servant Jacob also is behind us. And so here's, here's the way you gotta envision this. Basically, he separated the animals, well over 500 it appears, into groups, he sent a servant on ahead, head. And when the servant got to Esau, the servant said, hey, I represent Jacob, your brother, remember him? He's a little grayer, 20 years. But look, this is a present for you. And he might, the br- brother Esau might say, well, where's Jacob? Well, he's coming. You'll see him in a minute. And then another group of animals came. You know, whatever. And he was like, wow, look at all these animals. This is a present from you, for you from your brother Jacob. Wow. And then another group came. And where's Jacob? Well, he's behind us. And Jacob, this is a pretty wise move, don't you think? He was trying to appease his brother, and he was trying to shower him with gifts and kind of give him this moment of anticipation. And uh, one writer said, um, for the first time in Jacob's life, he wanted to be last. (laughs) You shall say, behold, he is behind us. You'll, You'll see his face, verse 20. And Jacob said, perhaps this is his... His scheme now, this is his plan. Perhaps he'll accept me after I shower him with all of these gifts. Maybe he'll forgive me. And so the present passed on before him, and while he himself spent the night in the camp. So the evening now comes, but sleep fled from Jacob. And uh, I'm sure his heart was heavy. I'm sure his pulse was pounding. I'm sure he had one of those nights, you ever had one of those nights where you put a plan together and and maybe there's a lot on the line and maybe you shouldn't have had coffee at 5 o'clock in the afternoon and you just toss and turn and scenarios are going off in your mind like, what if he does this, what if he he likes the cows but he doesn't like the camels? I don't know. What if he beats my servant, I don't know, what do you think, I don't know what's going to happen. And I think it was just a restless night for him. And so he spent the night in the camp. Now, he arose that same night. So this is the middle of the night. He took his two wives and his two maids and his 11 children and crossed the ford of Jebok. This is an eastern tributary off the Jordan River. You can reference Deuteronomy 2, verse 37, the stream in the called the Transjordan area. And so it was a stream, but it was nighttime, a big family, probably kind of dangerous to cross this thing, but... He crosses over with the family, verse 23. He took them, he sent them across the stream, and he sent across whatever he had. So it seems like the last of his possessions and animals and all of that, and um, he sends the family. And then Jacob, I assume, crossed back over the stream, and he was left alone. That's verse 24. So Jacob's even sent his family, and I think what awoke him in the middle of the night is, oh no, What what if someone sneaks up on this place where I've set up camp, and I don't, I don't have a chance to anticipate his coming. And my, I don't have everything around me that I'd want to have. So he sent the family to a, another place. And he was left there all alone. And here's what happens. One of the more interesting scenes in scripture. And a man, verse 24, wrestled with him until daybreak. Now, finally, Jacob's done everything that you, would, you might say is humanly possible and he lays down, you know, maybe he's got, he's rolled up some garments, put his head down. Maybe, you know, a little bit of the night has passed. Maybe it's the wee morning hours, 2, 3 a.m. I don't know for sure. But all of a sudden, Jacob gets grabbed by somebody. Maybe he's entered into some sleep. And all of a sudden, his heart probably froze inside of him, like, Aah! Can you imagine? Have you ever had one of those dreams you ever had somebody mess with you in the middle of the night and grab you? Hey! He's like, ah! Those are some of the funniest videos when people get woken up out of sleep. People, they can be pretty nasty when you wake them up too, right? Well, what do you think Jacob thought of this? He probably thought this is maybe a spy from Esau's uh, group. Maybe this is a marauder that's come to just kill me. I don't know. But all of a sudden, Jacob finds himself in a wrestling match. The word wrestled in verse 24 is a Hebrew word that means to grapple, to get dusty, or to wrestle, and he wrestled with him until daybreak. So just so you guys know, this is Old Testament MMA right here. (laughs) You thought it started in our day. No, it's not true. All of a sudden, Jacob has been snagged by this nighttime mystery visitor, and he's like, oh, no, and he is literally in a scrap. Dust is flying, they're making the moves, you know. I've watched a little bit of the MMA, I don't understand it. It looks pretty brutal to me, but I understand that the goal of MMA is to get the other person to submit. Is that true? Isn't, don't they call it submission? Tap to tap out. <laughs> Uncle, auntie. Talk about a restless night. Or if you want to use the alternate spelling, W-R-E-S-T, talk about a restful night. Some of you got that. Others of you didn't. Too much pizza, it's all right. (laughs) When he saw that he had not prevailed against him, now I don't know how long this went on, but I was reading a commentary this week and a guy was mentioning that he wrestled in high school he said, when you wrestled in high school, it was three two-minute periods. Is that true? You guys remember that? Anybody wrestle in high school? Three two-minute periods? How exhausted were you at the end of that time? Pretty exhausted, right? I mean, you give everything you can in six minutes with some breaks and a little bit of tapping and stuff like that, right? Well, this was a scrap. And I don't know how long it went on, but Jacob was what he probably thought was in the fight of his life. He saw that he had not prevailed against him, and he, and I think this is speaking now of this mystery visitor. He touched the socket of his thigh of Jacob's thigh, so the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Now you're in a scrap all of a sudden, and, and you know this this mystery visitor. You know you can kind of see that you're a little bit tough, and he just went zap and ah! something dislocated. Now anybody ever had a dislocation? Oh. Quite a few of you dislocated finger. You ever seen a dislocated finger on a football player? Their finger is sideways, and you're like, oh, that look!" and they, they pop it back in. Go ahead, do it, man. Cut me, Mick. <laughs> Sorry, that's an old reference, but some of you may know. <laughs> Can you imagine having a dislocated hip? Oh, my goodness. That had to be so painful. And they wrestled, and his hip was dislocated. Then he, that is this mystery man, said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But he, Jacob, said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob was holding on for dear life, and I think that Jacob has recognized something during this grappling. He's recognized this is no ordinary man. And Jacob's holding on for dear life, and you're gonna see in a commentary on this passage from another passage of the Bible in a moment that Jacob is not really winning. He's holding on. He got a dislocation, and he's just saying, oh, please, don't leave until you bless me. You see, all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, I think Jacob recognized something. God has shown up again. And I don't know what the message is yet. All I know is I'm wrestling with someone who's very tough. In fact, he just touched the spot of my body, and inconvenient. power. Inconvenient for you, power on the other side. And the man said, Let me go. And Jacob said, I'm not letting you go. Lord, Jacob might say something like this I'm hurt and I'm pleading for your blessing. I have no more strength. I'm weak, wounded, and tired of fighting you. His plea, one writer says, was tear choked. Something like this, Lord, I'm done. Lord, I'm afraid. Will you please help me? You see, this is no ordinary wrestling match. This could be a confession. He said to him, the mystery visitor said, what is your name? And he said, I'm Jacob. I am the fraud. I'm a conniver I'm a fake. And I've been learning some big lessons, and I'm on the heels of something that I don't know if it's going to cost me and my family our lives. Because something I did 20 years ago is about to catch up with me. I've got to face my past. I have I've tried to make amends, but I don't know what this brother of mine's going to do. Would you help me? I don't want to let go. It's obvious to me that you're powerful. Would you all turn to the book of Hosea? We'll wrap this up as quick as we can, but you got to see this parallel text. So you want to go go towards your New Testament and you're going to get to the book of Hosea, pass up Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, okay? Hosea is uh, what's called the second minor prophet Uh, that's only because he's called a minor prophet because of the size of his book. It's less in volume. Hosea 12, look at verse three. It says, in the womb, Hosea 12, three, in the womb he, that is Jacob, took his brother by the heel. And in his maturity he contended with who? With God, Hosea 12, four. Yes, he wrestled with the angel. You have a New King James, it's the angel, angel capitalized, and prevailed. Look at this. He wept and sought his favor. He found him at Bethel, and there he spoke with us. Even the Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord is his name. When you take the parallel passage, and if you turn back to the book of Genesis, it would appear that the commentary from the book of Hosea is that Jacob was holding on for dear life. You see, this wrestling match had become a picture of Jacob's whole life and a picture of the future nation that he was the head of, or at least he was an essential part of. And here's what it was. Jacob had wrestled with God his whole life, and God was saying, if you want to continue, if you want to be in my blessing, you must submit to me tonight. I have come here because I know you're at a crossroads and I know you need my help and you're gonna wrestle with me because that's what you've been doing your whole life. You wrestled with your brother in the womb. Your mother had to come and ask me, what's going on in my tummy? And I told her, it was two nations wrestling. And then you wrestled with your brother and your father by stealing the birthright and the blessing and by acting like you were Esau when you were actually Jacob. And then you went to Laban and then you wrestled with him and then you wrestled with your own wives and they wrestled with each other. Your whole life's been about wrestling. Amen? So why not just finish it off tonight? Since you're a wrestler, let's wrestle. Can you imagine God saying, ding, ding, okay, Let's see what you got. You apparently like to wrestle. Now, when you have three boys in a house, wrestling is a part. Lamps break, things are destroyed. We used to play football in the living room at the great uh, distraughtness of the blonde woman there. (laughs) What are you doing in there? We're playing football. All right? And now when they were little, I would get down on my knees and I would take the ball and they would all be on my back and I was able to carry them. now it would break me. But anyway, that's a different story. And God basically says, okay, Jacob, I want you to notice in the Bible that it's not Jacob wrestled with the man, it's the man wrestled with Jacob. The initiator was this divine visitor. We think, I think the conclusion of the majority of scholars, that it's the angel of the Lord or none other than the Lord Jesus In the Old Testament. And so they wrestle. And Jacob's holding on and he's crying, please bless me, I don't wanna let go. And the man says, you better let me go. It's the break of day. Why the break of day? Because the Bible tells us later in Exodus, no one can see God's face and live. He probably did it for the sake of Jacob. Look, the sun is about to come up, you can't look at me. Let go. And Jacob says, I'm not letting go of my hip hurts, but please bless me. And I think he was crying. And notice what happens. And he said, the visitor said, Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Your your name is going to change tonight. I would encourage you, and I can't do it for the sake of time tonight, would you make your devotional reading this week, Isaiah 62 where you will find that God says your your name will no longer be called. He tells Israel about their hope despite all the negative history that they have had. Jacob, the conniver, the heel catcher, gets renamed to Israel. Now listen to this. This is from James Montgomery Boys. Israel is a compound of two words, Sarah, meaning fight or struggle or rule, and El, meaning God. Commentators have taken this to mean he struggles with God, that being the definition of the name Israel, or he prevailed with God based upon verse 28. In other cases, however, of names compounded from a verb and the name of God, God is not the object of the verb, he is the subject. Thus, Daniel means God judges, not he judges God. Samuel means God heard, not he heard God. If we were to follow this same principle of interpretation here, Israel means God rules or God commands or God prevails. You know, uh, it's been often said, coming to the name of Israel, which has been debated, some people say Israel means prince of God, some people say it means governed by God, but if you flip it around, Israel actually means God governs. God prevails. God rules. And if you want to win, you submit to the one who prevails over everything. Do you know that on this night, Jacob didn't really win, he lost, but by losing, he won. What? Oh, yeah. Because in your battle with God, when you lose, you win. When you finally decide that you have no more strength and you decide to throw up your arms and say, I surrender, how much? All. All to you, Jesus, I surrender. That's when you win. Jesus says when you die, you live. That is the story of the Bible. Jacob prevailed, not because he was a great wrestler, not because he could defeat God, but because finally he said, Lord, I'm not going to let go of you because you've made it clear you're not letting go of me. And therefore, please, I need your blessing in my life. I cannot do this by myself. This is divine logic. Which is beyond our full comprehension. This loss is Jacob's victory. For at last Jacob surrenders himself. He wins for losing, and now is able to go on in new strength as God's man. This night his name was changed. I ask you, are you wrestling with God? How you doing? Are you limping? Do you know that after this night, Jacob never walked the same again? When we, as Christians, we talk about our walk, we just say, how's your walk, dude? was pretty good, read my Bible. But the next time you met Jacob, Jacob's walk was something like this. <laughs> and once, once he crossed the stream, people were probably saying to Jacob, what happened to you? I wrestled. With who? A nighttime visitor. And he's real shiny. (laughs) And strong. Just a touch of his finger and zap. So Jacob said, well, while we're talking about names, what's your name? Please tell me your name. And he said, why is it that you ask me my name? And he What? And he blessed him there. I don't know all that is in this response, only to say that maybe God was saying to Jacob, you already know who I am. You don't need to ask me. You see, I told you I was going to be faithful to you. Stop fighting me and surrender. And so Jacob named the place Peniel. For he said, I've seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved Now, the sun rose upon him, a beautiful image that I think a little deeper than on the surface. The sun rose upon him just as he crossed over Peniel, Peniel, and he was limping on his thigh. Therefore, to this day, the sons of Israel do not eat the sinew of the hip, that is the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, which is on the socket of the thigh, because he touched the socket, that is God did, the socket of Jacob's thigh in the sinew of the hip. This is what manipulators and self-made people must discover. God's blessings come with his humbling. God will not use a man or woman greatly until he first breaks that man or woman greatly. I wished the day I would have walked down the aisle of a church, that would have been one of the first talks somebody had with me. Oh, Jesus got a wonderful plan for your life, by the way. He, he'll knock hips out of joints sometimes too. They don't tell you that, but it's true. He'll pop things. You're like, ow! What are you doing? These people told me you had a wonderful plan for my life. I do, zap! Ow! Lord, I'm limping! Yeah. Yeah, you are. You wanted my favor? You got it. You see, if you want to prevail... I must prevail in your heart. And So what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God. Who also intercedes for us praise the Lord God is going to prevail his plan is going to come to fruition and it is best brothers and sisters that we get on board with God's plan God has a purpose for your life he has a plan he has good works that he's prepared beforehand that we should walk in them he's made the plan we need to walk it out we don't work for our salvation but we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, it's been paid, but we got to work out what God's been working in. And my prayer for you is that you just get on board with God's plan and just start walking in His direction, and hopefully you won't have to walk with a limp like Jacob. Hey, this is Living Truth Radio. This is Pastor Michael Lance. Thanks for joining us. We're so glad that you... Have jumped on board for this study in the book of Genesis. It's an exciting study and there's so many fundamental foundational truths in this book and in the Bible. And so here we are now going through the word of God. And uh, I'm so glad that you are someone who uh, not only benefits from these messages, but I pray that you'll partner with us. Here at Living Truth Radio, you might ask, well, Pastor Michael, how do how do I do that? Number one, pray for us. And I'm not saying just pray for us to just say pray for us. We need your prayer. We're in a spiritual battle. So please pray for this ministry. Pray that God will expand it and have his way with it. And then number two, if you can help us out financially, radio time is not cheap. And don't expect someone else uh, to respond and not you. Look, if you've been benefiting from these radio broadcasts, we would just ask you, you know, um, go to the website, whatever you give, you give, if you give a small gift or a large gift, many small gifts can sustain the ministry and even help us to expand and get the word of God to more people. This is our passion, folks. So help us out if you can at livingtruthradio.org. If you can donate, just click on the donate button there. Make sure you indicate us for radio ministry. You'll be walked through. It's a simple process, livingtruthradio.org. Hey, you can get to know the church that's behind this ministry. We're a, a congregation here in the city of Corona called Living Truth Christian Fellowship. If you're anywhere near the Inla- Inland Empire, you're going to be visiting Southern California, come and worship with us. We'd love to have you at one of the services. Sunday mornings are 9 and 11, 15 a.m., information, directions, all the different ministries for children and teenagers and Bible studies and all of that can be found at livingtruthradio.org. On behalf of Oscar Santa Cruz, this is Pastor Michael. Please let us know if we can pray for you. Use the contact form. On behalf of Andy Chapel, we'll catch you next time on Living Truth Radio. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's program.